0: to episode 7.
1: Yeah that was great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can you believe we're on episode 7 already? No I cannot. It really is like weird because we just started at this off of a whim and here we are (laughs) on episode 7 and like asking all these people to be on here with us. So today we had on John Rosser. The one and only Coach Rosser. There we go. Took him a while
1: to get him to, like, say he was coaching the boys' basketball team, which is weird.
0: And I'll also try not to take offense that he didn't mention that he coaches soccer. (laughs) It's fine. A lot of the conversation
1: today centered around the boys on the basketball team, but Mm -hmm. because I think they're, like, an integral part of Overbrook in a way, like this year especially.
0: Yeah, and I think that the boys that are on the basketball team are your – basketball such a bit is a main sport in the Pine Hill community. So it's either usually basketball or I've found that a lot of people also play baseball. So between those two sports, uh that's a, you know what a lot of our community comes out to support and looks at. So to see how John stepped up to being the head coach and right off the bat in his first year, he found great success with the program and the kids buying in and respecting him. And then this past year being like an even better season for them record wise, you can really see how he has helped shape the boys into becoming young men, being respectful and caring about their grades and their classes. So I think that's also why when we are always talking to him, we always talk about the players because everyone can see What he's done with those with the program and with the boys, yeah, uh, that is really
1: why. And I think basketball is what drove a lot of those boys to literally wake up and go to school in the morning. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And whether he knows that or not, a lot of them have told me, like, I just want to play ball, like, I'm just getting these grades to play ball. And it's like, that's fine, I respect your moves, but you like that's great that you have something to strive for and look forward to so i just hope that even after they're out of high school that they still continue to i don't know play whether that's just like some sort of pickup game or whatever that is just to keep that passion going
0: yeah absolutely and i think it's cool how rosser was talking about keeping in contact with them even after they graduate and wanting them to know that he is there for them forever i'm pretty sure a direct quote, um, and not just through the four years. So them knowing that they can always turn to him.
1: Hopefully look forward to this season coming up.
0: Yes, hopefully there is a season coming up. Fingers crossed because,
1: you know, we joke about it in this episode, but... I really do look forward to going to those games and seeing those kids outside of the classroom setting and seeing them be so passionate about something and so motivated and driven, whereas sometimes when we're reading things in class, they are not so much so motivated. Uh, But it's nice to be able also to always bring that back into the classroom, even if it's just a good game or to see the kids support them as well like even if they're not on the team but like wish them good luck and things like that so it's nice to see the
0: other students come together past basketball john shares a lot of information about what he's doing personally to take steps to truly being anti-racist or just educating himself on what's been going on in america for pretty much ever so i think I think this is another great episode and the fact that there's just real and honest conversation and you can tell through listening, like Rosser's passion for wanting there to be a change and wanting to just become a better person, not just for his players, but for himself too. Really quick. Uh, I don't know (laughs) if it's going to be really quick or not, but Hamilton just
1: came out and I watched it relentlessly over the weekend. I was home at my parents' house over the weekend, and my mom had never seen it before. She had really wanted to see it, but, like, she just never got around to getting tickets because they were so expensive. And my brother as well, so we watched it together. And then my brother and I watched it again, and then I watched it by myself. So it's been a Hamilton-filled weekend, as I know it has also been for you. But um, I see a lot of, like not backlash, I guess, but like mixed emo- mixed reviews on people's perception of the play. And I guess it's like glorifying of the founding fathers and everything. So I had sent you that TikTok last night that was like funny, but it also was like true because it was a guy saying Lin-Manuel was recognizing that these guys were not perfect in any way, shape, or form. Throughout the play, there's all of these subtle hints of, you know, the messed up things that these men were doing. Yes, the yeah. majority of them were slave owners. Yes, the majority of them were not for equal rights. But there's still, it's still art, right? And that's what the guy was basically saying. He's like, why can't we just enjoy it for it being a piece of art? So I just, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? I, especially being a history teacher.
0: I I don't know. I guess this is where that piece of educating yourself like comes in because Hamilton's been out for so long, the play itself and whether you can afford a ticket or not, it's been in the forefront of so many people's conversations because of how Lin-Manuel Miranda addresses the founding fathers and, you know, the one cabinet battle where Hamilton calls out Jefferson for owning slaves. And that's why their Southern states aren't in debt and all of those things. I've used the play in my classroom. I've played the songs, we've studied the lyrics and how does this relate to what we're learning in the class right now? And, you know, I think now that it's so readily accessible and, Disney plus is why people are looking at it. And I think it coming out in the time it did with this racial tension, I think it's hard because I don't know. I feel like sometimes people are just looking to nitpick and trying to find something wrong with everything and trying to like this idea of cancel culture and cancel this and cancel that. And not everything has to be like this outward support of black lives all of the time. You have to be able to also sit and watch this beautiful piece of art. You know, I've laughed in Hamilton. I cried in Hamilton. Um, I've been lucky enough to see Hamilton on stage three times. I was able to see it and I took students to see it. But what was awesome about taking students to see it is that we live, we work in this, community that students don't always get to get out of their pine hill bubble so taking them to New York so many of them it was their first time going to New York Mm -hmm. and they were oh my gosh I love it here I see why people like it and meanwhile I'm like pay attention you're about to get hit by a cab like keep moving keep moving but you know they hadn't really known anything about Hamilton besides a little bit I had to talk about it but before we went to see the show and the project that they had to do in order to go and see the show. And we were leaving and some of the kids who are like, I hate musicals. I'm just going on this trip to get out of class or, you know, to go to New York, we were leaving and they're like, Miss Banner, that was amazing. Like I loved that play. And I had students tweeting at me this weekend, like watching Hamilton because I got to see it with Miss Banner. And for a group of minority students to go and see this play where minority actors and actresses are playing these founding Mm -hmm. fathers, like even that, and it's not even subtle. It's an obvious choice that Lin-Manuel Miranda made in his play, that irony of, you know, they're probably the ancestors of the slaves Mm -hmm. that they were holding. They're now portraying you. Um, That's a huge move, and it's a huge move to see how successful it's been, you know, that these minorities can play these founding fathers in America today, and it's accepted, and people love it. It's not, I don't know, is it like, are people upset? Like, they think it's some type of backwards blackface type of thing? Like, I don't know, but you're not putting yourself in some costume. They're not powdering their faces. They're there, and they're putting these you know, immigrants, we get the job done. And he adds those lines and those things to show people that what they did was not okay, but they did build a nation that we now get to make into whatever we want. And these Mm -hmm. are the foundations and together we have to be able to take the steps to change it. I think it's phenomenal. I think that again, people are looking to nitpick and want to find fault in just about anything now and if you find fault and you try to cancel everything then there's nothing left and what good does that do anybody yeah well said miss banner thanks i agree thanks that's the part i think that's getting frustrating is seeing people nitpicking other people's decisions or posts and then you know you get people who then don't feel like they can speak their truth or they don't want to learn. And they don't want to talk because they're afraid that they're going to say something wrong and then get canceled or destroyed or attacked. And I think that is the issue. If that's what you're doing, then that's something that you need to figure out and fix because you're only hurting the potential of the movement because people won't want to say anything and then we're stunting that growth and that change that can happen yep agreed agreed so with that being said enjoy our conversation with mr john rosser and it's a good one and we hope that you enjoy it as well follow us on instagram and twitter If you have any ideas for topics, because as we were planning it, this podcast we were planning and now we're kind of at the end of the plans that we had. So if you have ideas for conversations or you want to be a guest, yes. If you potentially want to be a guest, reach out to us on social media, or if you are a coworker or student, you know how to email us. So We hope to keep this moving and going and it's hopefully, we don't want it to be something that we're just doing and then it ends. So yeah, let us know.
1: All right, guys. So today we have John Rosser with us for episode seven. So if you want to just introduce yourself with your name, your job title, where you went to school, your race, things like that.
2: Hi, my name is John Rosser. I went to Sterling High School and I went to Monmouth University. Um, and I am white. I'm a teacher. I'm a special ed teacher at Overbrook High School.
1: Perfect. Okay. Uh, (laughs) anything else you want to add there?
2: Um, I'm also the head boys basketball coach.
1: There we go. That's what you're looking (laughs) for.
2: You should have told, like, (laughs) make sure you do basketball, like,
1: (laughs) I mean, like, a large part of our questions are revolving around (laughs) that, so we really needed you to give that in the intro. (laughs) If you didn't know, I know Miss Banner and I, Alexis and I, haven't really talked about our love for basketball, but (laughs) along with the Sixers, we are also hardcore over-rug boys basketball fans. Number one fans. (laughs) Like, straight up. (laughs) Heck, yes. Travel well. (laughs) Even...
0: We travel for this team. (laughs) No, it's been cool to see what John has done with the basketball program. So it's kind of being good friends with John is also kind of why Melissa and I go out and support them. Just seeing the way he's really turned around the program and found teams found great success. So it's been a fun, what, two year, two seasons. So we'll hopefully get a season in the winter. Do you want to brag on your voice and just say
1: Yeah,
2: so I took over about two years ago in our first year, we went seventeen and eleven and we made it to the second round of playoffs and we won the um division for the first time, I think since like two I want to say two thousand one. And then this past year we went twenty one and six. Um unfortunately lost in the second round, but Again, we won the division and, you know, the guys have really bought into what we've been selling, um, like our system, but also the idea of hard work, you know, working over the summer, like putting that extra time in and just that you can't just show up in the winter and be good. Um, and the biggest thing that we've really done that I love that, that we've kind of turned around is their grades. In my first year, that was kind of like all right, who's eligible, like who, who, you know, I'm always on top of them. But this year there was a lot less discipline problems. And on top of that, I mean, our grades were night and day, to be honest, like like mostly A's, B's and C's, which for all of us, we want our students to move on and, you know, do great things. So to see them go forward in the classroom and do great, it makes me excited for their futures.
1: Yeah, it was a devastating loss. Yes, it was. Crying. I cried.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I they stormed played. off. I had to wait. Yeah. Till everyone, I had to wait till all the guys left. I'm like done hugging them. I'm like, and cry.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it was just sad because it was the last time that we'll see a lot of those boys play. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially
2: the seniors. You know, they're you know they're a good group and they're kind of like you know the first ones that really bought in and kind of set the standards for moving for what we're doing moving forward. So to see them kind of go out like that was uh, was very sad.
1: The first question that I have is that the boys on the basketball team, as you were saying, their grades have, you know, gone from night and day. I know that you're somebody when I have boys on in my classroom that I reach out to if they're acting up or just being crazy as they probably always are being, mm-hmm. but they really <laughs> truly do respect you and look to you for guidance and they listen to you, point blank. Do you feel like you had to earn their trust and respect to get there? And then how do you feel like you did do that?
2: Yeah, definitely the earning their respect is a big thing. And I think that starts with showing how passionate you are about the game, but more importantly, how passionate you are, you are about about them, about building those relationships with them. So, you know, I could easily just show up every day and be like, all right, this is the plays, is what we're doing, but they're not going to go 100%, 110% for me if I'm not like, you know, how's, you know, how you doing at home? Like, how's the family, you know, how's your grades? How's the teachers, you know, that you have? I think building a relationship is first and foremost the most important thing. I think doing that has really helped us build what we're, what we're doing right now.
1: I think that transfers over to like teachers as well. Oh, yeah. The kids won't buy in to you if you're not buying into them, so.
2: And I think, and that's it. And I think, again, it's like the three of us, you know, I think that's a big thing is Why we have success in the classroom, I don't, are you guys more than me, <laughs> but uh, but no, like, um, you know, showing you care not only about you know how they're doing your class, but you know, how's your ex- extracurriculars going, like, how's life, how's your job, like, things like that, like, that plays a huge part. If you just, again, you can just call, show up and teach, and I can talk about history all day long, but at the end of the day, they're like, all right, let me get out of here, you know, Mr. Rosser doesn't really care about me.
1: hmm. Yeah. And the boys notice. And I think that is something that shows that you're going above and beyond. Like, they notice when we're not at those games. Like mm-hmm. I get grief the next day for it. Or if well, I'm like, no, well, I can't. I hear that it. It in
2: practice too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I have truly disrespected them for not being able to go. Yeah. You are. And, like, <laughs> right. But I had a, had like a hair appointment planned like months in advance. And then I knew like one of your playoff games, I think got moved or something. And they're like. Well, you better change your hair appointment.
2: Yeah, like, it's so, way more important. I think I—I I actually think I, I caused that whole entire thing. I'm pretty sure I caused it.
1: Yeah, kind of I think you did. And you know what, though? Like, I'm a sucker because I changed my hair appointment.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: I knew it was going to work.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Rosser and I, we teach – we have co-taught together mm-hmm. and have had the boys in class and, you know, just seeing – not even just the basketball boys, but – even in the classroom, he like you do go above and beyond to like talk with the kids and joke with them and make them feel comfortable and welcomed with all of the kids. You don't only just you're not only building that relationship with the basketball boys. Right. You're doing it with all of the students. And so I I just, that's definitely been cool to see.
2: Yeah, and I think that just makes your class better. You know, like I could sit there and spit facts, but I want to have discussions about you know what they think in each era that we touch on you know i mean like i don't want to sit there and talk and run through a powerpoint every day like i would rather just have discussions like whether it's current events or you know slavery whatever it is like whatever thing we touch on like i want to just talk about it more than i want to just like hey guys like and throw out dates at them they're like forget this like you know so i think it's more important to make it more discussion based and i think building that relationship really helps that
0: Yeah. And then those discussions can turn into, I'm sure we'll talk about it later in the episode, but turn into discussions on more of the current events that are going on. And that starts from, you know, you taking those steps to care about them personally and even having those history discussions. It's like, oh, cool. Mr. Rosser just kind of wants to talk with us. Mm -hmm. And then they feel comfortable having those conversations with you and it's a more controlled conversation rather than teachers who have you know said that they were either dreading and having those conversations or afraid that somebody a student might like act out um in those conversations so that's definitely a big piece of it part of you know, we work at Overbrook, which has a really diverse group of students that we've talked about before in our episodes. And as you mentioned in the introduction, you being a white man and coaching the basketball team, which is predominantly African-American males, do you feel like an added pressure that you have to t- to take steps towards truly being anti-racist or, and then to truly um, have their respect and to relate with them?
2: Yeah. Oh no. Definitely. I could easily say I'm just anti-racist, but I I need to have the information to back it up if they want to have conversations about it. You know, I want to be that person that they can at least talk to. You know, I mean, again, you know, I am I'm a white male, so it's hard for me to say like I've been through that, which I you know I obviously haven't, but I can at least listen to them and be like, you know, I've read about it, and I can at least listen to what you're talking about and kind of just help you through it the best I can, you know, and point you in the right direction as to what you can read about and who you can talk to. So yeah, I definitely, I mean, I've, I've been, I read Stamped, which was like, you know, I mean, we talked briefly about it over the weekend, but just reading that one book alone. Now I'm like, give me another one. Like I want more stuff so I can, I can learn more. So going into talking to the guys or if they come talk to me I'm not just blowing smoke you know like that's I want to be able to back up what I when I'm preaching
1: numbers wise I know we said it's predominantly African-American but is it just Justin am I missing something no I think so it's Ryan
2: for it was Ryan for Michael Kahn and Justin so there's those three so I think putting all of it together I think we were like 84 percent like
1: African-American I'm pretty sure Has there been instances, I know that there has been, but has there been instances where race has become an issue on the court or off the court or with another team?
2: With with another team, we did have an instance this past year. And I'll tell you what, I give my guys the, like, they they just handle it so well. I mean, they came, they, they did the right thing. They let me and Coach Callahan know what the player said. And, you know, after they did that, they... You know, we told the refs, and we told their AD, and you know, they followed up with it, and you know, it was all it was all handled very well. And for our guys, they could have easily, you know, physically like went off, you know, if like hearing like the the, the kid use a slur against them. But instead, they they rose above above it all and just did the right thing. Which I mean, again, I applaud them for being like that.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great. And I think a large part of that has to do with who's leading them as well. Like they don't want to let you down. They don't want to let uh the person that's leading their team down. That too. I think Alexis and I were talking about this when I was like on my rant last week in our in our like intro. After we record, we always like go back and then we'll record our intro. And I had stopped recording at this point because we were just talking. And I was like, you know what? Then if, if this racism is still going to go on, then nobody gets anything from Black culture. You don't get athletes. You don't get music. Yeah. You don't get fashion. And I was just going off. And then it kind of made me start to think about. And then Alexis, you had said, like, we're not, you know, a lot of people aren't. They're praising these six foot four athletes when they're on the field. They're praising these african-american males when they're on a sport but then that necessarily doesn't transfer over to if they're not on a sport or if they're just a 6'4 african-american male how that differentiates between we're rooting for them on the field when they're a six foot four african-american athlete but we're fearful of them if it's just a six foot four african-american on the street right. so my question was you know your thoughts on that
2: yeah i think it's crazy We've as we've seen with like some of like the the black athletes that have spoken up and said things and they've been pretty much shunned like you're not supposed to be talking you're just supposed to be playing basketball you know or if like a coach has spoken up it's like you're just a coach go coach the sport you know and I think that's crazy that you sit there and you idolize someone who does great things athletically but if they try to do great things off the court you try to bash them like I think that's insane like then don't be a fan, you know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. pretty much how I look at it, and I think that kind of, you're kind of showing your true colors if you if you can't take them as the person that they are, on top of like how great an athlete they are.
1: Was it that one news broadcaster, the woman that was telling LeBron James to like just dribble? Yeah, the and ball? that's the
2: second time, and and the fact that she the fact that she was like, I mean, I can't believe that she wasn't like at least bashed a little bit more like that. Again, I got pushed onto <laughs> the rug, and I was just like, hell can someone say that and not be like fired or anything like that? But you know, when you see like, you know, athletes or teachers or, you know, other people saying things like that they're fired and they're held accountable. But then someone says something like that, it's like, Oh no, they're good. They, they can keep their job. It's, I just think it's all backwards. with a lot of the stuff that's going on.
0: But I liked LeBron's response Yeah. and like, did you see that video he posted on Instagram and it was like the dribbling? It was like, shut up and dribble. And then it, went out and it was like had the names i think of people who um have lost their lives to police brutality mm-hmm. and it was like this is why i can't just shut up and dribble and i thought you know i think that's a big part too is athletes are looked up to especially by so many of our students that to see an athlete respond in such you know a mature way um Knowing, you know, like Tobias Harris's article in Players' Tribune, where he was talking about how he has to admit that although he's a black male, he's living in this privileged world. Mm -hmm. Um, But to see them still fighting for equality and, again, reacting in an appropriate way, the kids can see that and saying, you know, this is how I should respond. And it's the same way your guys did on the basketball court and telling you rather than lashing out and getting you know out of taking it out of control where then they could have seen um consequences or repercussions right
2: and that's and i still think it's you know the person that is really suffering and now i think deserves a job is colin kaepernick i mean he's the one that really started all this and he's doing the right thing and way he protests and now he's like he got pretty much blackballed and now it's like everyone's like you know disney's making a series about him and everything so now everyone's catching up like oh man like he was doing the right thing we were all in the wrong for kind of like bashing him and again like you guys are talking about not looking at him as a citizen who's like fighting for the rights of america
1: it's weird that just because they become athletes they're all of a sudden like not allowed to speak on issues that are actually directly affecting them it's just very strange
0: But that's also why I liked when the Washington Wizards held that protest in DC and Bradley Beal was talking about his um, interaction with a police officer who pulled him over because he was black and then made comments about like, it would take me however much time to ruin your Monday and to, you know, ruin the NBA and, I, and it was so crazy because I had just read Tobias Harris's article about how he's living in this privileged world, but then you saw Bradley Beal who was talking about, you know, it still happens to him even though he is this big NBA player.
2: And, that's, and I can't imagine, like going back in history, how many African-American athletes have the same exact type of stories where they've all, you know what I mean? I mean, it, you could probably write multiple books about all the different times that's happened to all these athletes
1: who are some influential black artists or athletes or authors that have influenced you on the way that you approach certain topics i think i don't know why i always think this but i feel like anyone that like really likes basketball a lot is like somehow tied into like a very heavy like african-american culture i Mm -hmm. think I think it's just facts, though, because I think a lot of the players, number one, are African American. Right. I think number two, they're always list like promoting the music they listen to, and a lot of it's predominantly hip hop or R and B. So I think it, that it makes sense why I put those two together. But who are so? Are there any influential black artists or athletes that have really inspired um, you?
2: Well, growing up in you know, I grew up in, I went to Sterling and I played basketball. So I mean, that like you said, it's part of the culture. Like hip hop is part of the culture. So um you know growing up i loved like you know 50 cent like i loved all of like the normal like everyone else ear- liked in the early 2000s like i liked Ludacris. like it, it didn't matter where they were from i liked all these different ones um like biggie i like all the you know the old classic tribe called quest all that um recently i really like j cole who i really like his music because of the messages that are behind it you know if you look at listen to like neighbors which is pretty much about how his neighbor thought he was selling drugs out of the house, and the FBI came to his house and like broke down his door and like checked the house, and nothing was found because he's an African American man living in a you know a suburban area. Um, so just to hear him be able to talk on these type of topics through music, I think is um, great. So Kendrick Lamar, you know, I mean, I could sit here and do a whole podcast probably on all the artists I like. And then I would say, man. Sports-wise, I mean, growing up in 2000s, I mean, who didn't like AI in this area, you know, I mean, and he brought that, that swagger and all that, that type of culture into, into the NBA. And I mean, everyone wanted, you know, dressed like that. Everyone wanted the cornrows and wear the, the arm sleeves and all that. And I definitely should not have been wearing any of that. Uh, I look ridiculous, <laughs> but uh <laughs> Um, but I loved, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I love, you know, those are some guys that I, you know, he's someone I definitely grew up like loving. And if you talk to any of my buddies, we're, we're all the same.
1: Did you have cornrows? I
2: tried. <laughs> no, I didn't try. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did have a shape up though. I did try the shape you up. The shape tried. up did not, did not pan out well. I did look, not, I did not, have this, my head is not the right shape for a uh, so shape up.
0: <laughs>
2: I'll find pictures.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> it's necessary. Yeah, Seriously. I'm sure.
2: I'm sure if the team gets a hold of it, it's going to be trouble. I don't
0: know what I,
1: my attendance record will be <laughs> next year, personally. Well, we have to go support the Claw in his last year. Yeah, but the Claw thinks I'm going to go to every one of his games, like I did when it was the Dream Team. <laughs> like,
2: I mean, I wanna... Are you talking about Dame? Is Dame the Claw?
1: <laughs> yeah, Dame the Claw rolls. <laughs> Remember it. <laughs>
2: I did not know that was his thing. I'm gonna now he's I'm gonna say that way too often. He's gonna get so mad
0: if you yes. do. If you do the hand thing, he also did that to us like a couple times in the games. Like, he knows it's a thing
1: because we would like harass him about it the next day. Like, what the heck, Dan? We we travel to your game. And you don't even do the claw oh my back. God.
0: <laughs> then he started. I instead
2: of saying Damien, I'm gonna have to say that because he hates when I call him Damien.
0: Well, because remember at tryouts he had that like broken finger or something, ah. and his hand was like yes. taped up, and he was like, you know, just shooting, still shooting buckets. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> and we're like okay what are you like the the claw and he's like something like that he's the worst
2: trash talker i've ever
0: (laughs) he's like not
2: smooth with it at all i'm like join can you get him please
0: (laughs) so we've like you mentioned already that you read the book stamped and that you now want to read all these other things and i know you've been watching a lot of documentaries so what are books that you want to read and documentaries that you have watched things that you're doing that you found helpful to educate yourself on race relations in american society
2: um definitely again you know reading stamped was a big one i just got white rage which i'm very excited to read i'm going to come and steal the new jim crow from you which is a top one and white fragility which is definitely another one i want to read Definitely, Netflix has a ton of good stuff that me and um, Jen have been watching. We watched Thirteenth, which was amazing. I mean, that was like I could watch it again and like still catch things that I probably didn't pick up on the first time. It's something I tell if I'm like talking to anyone about you know any of the current events. I'm just like, dude, you gotta watch Thirteenth. It's just it's so good. Um, I'm gonna I mess his name up. Uh, I think it's Khalif Bowden. Is that is that who it is? Khalif Bowden with the um story where he's like he got locked up for just stealing a backpack that documentary top notch like i mean it really showed you how crazy it is for someone growing up in the inner city who you know doesn't have a ton of money who is supposed to have four bail on three thousand dollars and then gets treated terribly and you get turned into a whole different person and ruins your whole entire mentality especially after seeing how crazy rikers island is So those are, those are things that I really recommend to people and things I want to read. And then, I mean, there's a ton just from following you guys that I've now followed that like pop up on like my newsfeed for whether it's Instagram or, you know, Twitter or anything like that. I'm just trying to read, watch, do whatever I can to learn, learn as much as I can.
1: You know what I'm really liking, Alexis. You ha- you were the one that suggested it to me. The uh, uncomfortable conversations with the black man.
0: Yes, by I... Manuel Acho are really?
1: phenomenal. Yeah, they're great, and they come out every week. Oh he does one gosh. once you a week.
0: You have so to. Good. They're really? so good, and they're like they're what like five to maybe like ten, ten. minutes long. They're not super long. They're on his Instagram, and he just really explains things in such like a direct, easy way to follow. And he's just honest. Like he'll just sit there and say, well, no, like this is what you think, but this is how it really is. And the first one was by himself. His second one was with Matthew McConaughey. Which was great. Which was so good. His third one was with Chip and Joanna Gaines. Wow. And then.
2: um, Interesting. That's the mix. Because
0: it's, his first episode had like 10 million views in like less than a week because it literally came out in the middle of like all of the protests going on and that chaos that, and the, that surgence of all of these people now wanting to educate themselves and learn so that it was, oh cool, this black guy is making this short video and I can just watch him, which and it's a great starting point for sure, but it's also these great little videos throughout the every week that um, are so cool. well done and he's had numerous other guests. So I would definitely recommend Yeah, that,
2: I'll listen sure. listen to that on my, my it's, walks with Kobe in the morning. That'll be great.
1: It's nice that it's a conversation like back and forth between people and that the guests have been coming like super prepared with questions too. So it's good that yeah. they, it's like a constant conversation. And he is honest, like you said, with his answers, like he's really not holding back, but doing it in like a really like just informative right way.
0: Yeah. informative respectful way like he's never like well that's a stupid question No, yeah he, like, right sits right and takes in the question and says you know oh okay that's a good question you can kind of see him processing it and then sharing his answer
1: like in the matthew mcconaughey one like uh he had mentioned how it was kind of going along the lines of with what Kareem and Alea were saying about how, oh, you are so well spoken. Right. But mm. then he had said that what a lot of like African-American girls hear is you are so pretty for a black girl. Mm. And they like kind of dived into that and just had an honest conversation. Matthew McConaughey was like very receptive about that and thinking like, yeah, that's super offensive.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <put> that <laughs> the worst Backhanded yeah. compliment. <laughs> like it's not even a compliment. It's really that's impressive. exactly what I was just gonna say. Yeah, it's not at, at the point of
1: when you said for anything. It the comments, the yeah, compliments it's gone. gone. Yeah. It's like disappeared. It's buried. Like, okay, it's dead.
0: Cool. Yeah.
1: I, I think don't it's even crazy know how many
0: times people will actually say that as a compliment. Yeah. Like I've heard it. It's crazy. There's
1: just no way.
0: Because people are insane and they don't think it through. So they think that, I guess they think that's what people want to hear. Like, it's I don't just, know. It's just crazy. But... It's
2: 2020 and we're still doing like, we still have to talk about this crazy mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, it's not.
0: Yeah. Cause when people say that to me, I go, Oh, but, <laughs> uh. <What?" laughs> but it's just weird because people will say those things, thinking that they're giving you a compliment.
1: Uh, you've mentioned that the three of us like are very successful with, knock on wood, with the conversations or with the rapport that we have with our students for the most part. So... It's something that I think about a lot. And if you listen to last week's episode, I get emotional about it because it's just something, especially the with the boys that are on the team, if those boys in particular, I think about mm-hmm. their futures. Like you said, you had said before, you want to set them up for success. And sometimes maybe they don't idolize the people that they should be idolizing. And we know that from having conversations with them, but how can we as educators you know, set up all of our students for success past the classroom and past high school.
2: I think that's just, I think it starts with communication, just kind of like showing them like where it kind of starts and taking that first step towards bettering themselves. And I think, again, it starts like doing, putting, putting your, like your best effort forward in the classroom. Like, you know what I mean? And I think that's the first step. But on top of that, We have to talk to them like, hey, when you get out of here, you you, if you're not going to college, like what is your next step? Hey, if you're not going to go to, you know, CCC or if you're not going to go to Rowan or wherever, what is your plan? So I think that's like showing them a plan to be successful is where we have to start. Again, you're talking about like people they should look up to. I mean, I think that's kind of just knowing who they who they are around or, or, you know, who they study that can like help them kind of point them in the right direction toward what they should do with the rest of their life. And what I've already been doing, I mean, you know, we've had four guys graduate. I'm already talking to Shamar. I'm already talking to Devon. I'm, you know, I'm talking to Julian. I'm talking to Tacey and like, Hey, like, what's up? Like, what's your guys playing? Like, what are you doing? And then they're probably like, Oh my God, coach, leave me alone. But I just want to make sure they're set up. Like I don't want to have, and I always tell them, I, it's it's kind of in a joking manner. I'm like, I want you guys to come back and be making more money than me. Like, I want you, you know what I mean? Not saying that money's the, you know, you know, makes you happy, but I want you to come back and be successful and like have that, that thing where you come back and just kind of not, not me trying to bail you out of something more like, yo coach, like I'm all good. Like, you know, can, how can I help the school? How can I help the program? And again, I think that's, again, it's the biggest thing is communicating and staying on top of them. And again, a lot of these kids, you know, they don't have, Not all of them, but a lot of them don't have some father figures in their lives or a great home life. So I think with us as teachers or us as coaches being there for them just helps them even more. Just knowing there's someone there for them to be like, yo, if you need help, you know, it's just because you graduate doesn't mean we're done. Like I got you for forever. You know, if you need something like you need a reference for a job or you need help with like applying with things or like financial aid or whatever it is, just let me know. And I think that makes them feel more comfortable like moving forward.
1: Having that support system for forever. Yeah. Like you said, Mm -hmm. there's plenty of times where I like sit down and I'm like, okay, but so what, what are we doing here? Like, what's the plan? What's the moves here? Like, what are we doing? Even the other day I texted you and I was like, Hey, don't forget to tell Dave to sign up for the SATs because I know he's going to be putting it off and he really can't put it off because then, we see what happens like they forget to do it and then something crazy like COVID happened. And then they, the boys that didn't take them yet.
2: Yeah. And that, I mean, that did happen with, um, uh, Shamar and Julian this year Like you know, it was kind of like something they were pushing off and I, they were both supposed to take it right after the season. But like you said, like COVID happened, and it was like, all right, like, you know, what's, what do we do now? And thank like, thankfully, like a lot of colleges were kind of like not, They kind of changed their ways and said, like, we're not counting Um, SATs, like, holding against them now because of all this. But yeah, you got to be just you, and you just got to be ready for anything. And that's what that's Mm -hmm. what we try to teach the guys.
1: And I think I'll show them, like, there's so much success for you guys. A kid like Dane, like, he's so smart, and I don't even think he realizes how smart he is. And to have to be so smart and so talented athletically, you're gonna kill it, kid. Like (laughs) you really are. But you have to know. And and I think Banner's seen this. It's
2: like, and they, I don't know if they. I'm sure they hear it but it's probably weird coming from me. I, like I tell them how proud I am of them so much but they get so they get so weird when I say it. Like they get like all like oh like here and I I think maybe in a way it's kind of weird to hear it from another guy to say like, you know, you know I'm proud of you and all that type of stuff and they're like, "All right, coach, like back up. Like that's weird. Like I don't need you like being all emotional, you know what I mean?" But I think it's good for them to hear that cuz then they know hey, I am doing good. My coach is telling me that I'm doing good. So I want to keep doing good, you know, and I want to keep, you know, I think I read the quote, the other day It's like, it was like, um, you know, paraphrase it is pretty much like, you know, strive to get better. And then when you do get to that better, continue to get better.
0: I'm sure they do. Because I think we also have to remember, they're just teenage yeah. boys trying to play it cool. So they're like, coach oh, yeah. like what that's weird and then but then you know as we talked about earlier they come back with this huge respect for you the next day or whatever and they're looking out for you and they you know so they might not say i love Oscar, <laughs> as he's yeah. proud of me. that's just amazing but <laughs> but instead they show it in respecting you and everything that you do and working hard for you um because you do those things and that's part as we said of building that relationship
2: and that's why we Um, say family you know that's one of the big things is why we say family like we all have each other's backs and we're all here to like you know push each other forward and i think we're kind of getting to the point you know where that's the truth like i think one of the things that i implemented this year was that if you had an um if you had an f after like i tell you like hey you have a week to get it up and you have to sit. And I think they were kind of like, yeah, coach, all right, you're not going to do that. And then we had our second scrimmage, and I sat pretty much everyone except for six people. They all kind of realized, like, you saw them all holding each other accountable, saying, like, yo, like, you got to get your grades up, like, you know, and they were all apologizing. And they, like, you know, they each stood up and said, I'm sorry for letting you guys down. So I think all those things really play, you know, again, I'm coaching basketball, but I'm really trying to build, like, young men that are going to, like, go out and do some – awesome things.
0: And I think that's where the three of us, and, you know, we say the three of us, cause we're just the three yeah. here talking, but there's other teachers in the building that are definitely doing it. But I think that that's where, you know, we have found success in the classroom is because we're not just walking into Overbrook and teaching where, you know, our subject matter, we're looking to also make them a better, more well-rounded, a fuller young adult rather than just looking at them as a student or a player you know we do the same thing with the soccer team where you know i always say to them in the first couple days like i'm not here we're not here just to make you a better soccer player we're here to make you better people so you might not like something or you might not like a rule but it's the what you would learn the lesson is so much for bigger than you know, you can't play, it's teaching yeah. you a larger lesson. So yeah, I think that's where the three of us have found that success Definitely, for sure. 100%. So we've talked already about you put an emphasis on relationship building with all of your students, not just your basketball guys. Wanting your classroom to be a place where discussions are had, whether it's discussions on, I'm thinking Henry VIII, because I just always remember you playing that song across the hall. Why? Um, <laughs> Have oh, you even heard it?
1: Okay. you <laughs> so, song in the world.
0: <laughs> so what you should all know as well is John and I teach across the hall from each other, so we're always... Interacting throughout the day, and you know, he's either asking me like, "What were you doing in there?" or I'm asking him like, "What song was that you were playing?" And what it has to have been three years ago year, I that think, my,
2: my had first, my classroom, yeah,
0: yeah. And he was playing this Henry the Eighth song, and I heard what this student and <laughs> singing it, and it was like Henry, 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 <laughs> and I was like, Roser, what the heck? is happening and he was like but the kids were just singing it and they remembered henry the eighth so it's quite the song and if you haven't heard it you should look up henry i'll send you guys VIII. the link you can
2: post it with the episode
1: <laughs> oh yeah drop the link
0: <laughs> Because it's fascinating, but, you know, you are having those conversations with kids and you're opening, you know, the possibilities for the discussion. So you're playing the fun song, but then you're also having the more serious conversation that goes with it. And we've talked with other guests on the podcast so far about, you know, how they feel about having these discussions, whether in their classroom or in their life. So what have you found that works for you and having those discussion, you know, maybe past the relationship building. And then what have you found? Have you had a discussion that maybe didn't go the way that you wanted it to? And maybe a student or a friend or family acted out in a way that you weren't expecting. And then how did you handle that? If that's happened. So
2: starting with like, um, kind of like how, I guess I'm going to handle it in the classroom again, just being open to conversations, but then, looking back since you know we do teach history is giving the good and the bad of who we study you know I mean like there's multiple people now reading all of these things that you get the good but they don't give you any of the bad and they're kind of like idolized and it's like all right like we got to do we got to give both sides of the story you have them not think that everyone in history was this perfect person so I think that's definitely something I want to um, incorporate into my lessons yeah I think you know not only with my players and with, but also with my students sterling was like we had a um, pretty diverse not extremely diverse but a pretty diverse population definitely not as much as overrook but i definitely had a lot of different i had, a lot of, I had friends that um, came over from iraq and that i was like really that i'm really good friends with still one of my best friends in in high school um was african-american and now looking back like i I see how they were treated because of either where they came from or color of their skin. Like I remember going into Rite Aid and my buddy would be getting followed by like a manager where while I'm like, you know, just going to grab my drink. He's not going to steal anything, but that's what they think is going to happen. And I, and at that time I didn't know what, what white privilege was I mean it doesn't it's as of like until I got older I didn't really understand really what that was and now looking back I'm like man like there was a lot of instances that were like I got away with things or I didn't get treated a certain way because of how I look and now like I like to use those just to talk to the guys and like use it to be like I might not be able to understand like I've seen and I've also like but I've just I've seen things happen so I kind of I know stories and I can relate that to at least like what they're talking about I mean and we've had at least a few students that have told me stories where they've been already pulled over and, you know, kind of treated in a, in a, in a terrible way by all different types of people. So it's definitely something um, I want to keep doing and talking to the guys and talking to the students.
0: So would you say that you acknowledge your white privilege by sharing that those instances with students and players and just other people. And then, like, that makes you, I guess, more aware of it as well, like, if it was to happen. Yeah,
2: right I mean, now. definitely more aware of it now. I mean, like, especially what's going on with, with like, you know, everything. Um I never even knew what white privilege was until, like, maybe, like, a few years, like, until the Black Lives Matter movement came around. Um So, yeah, I'm definitely more aware, and I'm definitely, like, yeah, I definitely – had it pretty good. And I was definitely kind of given that head start, you know, in life. And I just try to, now I try to use that to help out, you know, any way I can like try, try to like do what I can either, whether, whether it's listening, educating myself or going to protests or whatever it is, like, I'm just, whatever I can do, you know, I just, I don't want to be one of the someone who's just going to sit by and like not do anything. I mean, if you guys, if anyone knows me, I can't sit still for about five seconds. So, um, You know, I can't let things I like I'm definitely a guy who likes to stand up for um, stand up to people and stand up to what I think is right. So that's it's definitely something I'm going to keep doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I feel like I've definitely seen you doing that before this resurgence of the Black Lives movement. Like you always. Even in the classroom, if you felt that something was wrong or like weird you know you'll call someone on it and you know like a funny or joking way it's not like you're ever rude or disrespectful but it's always like yo like well why'd you say that there's been plenty of instances where i've gotten apologies solely (laughs) off of uh,
1: mr rosser's telling them to. i think the guys
2: got scared of like they knew when my prep and my lunch was because i would like end up coming to their classrooms like hey come come here you know, or, or it, was, it, it could, it could, sometimes it was a good thing, you know, or, or sometimes it was like, what are you doing? Like, you know, and, but again, I think, you know, that's just the way I am, you know, holding people accountable. And, you know, if you messed up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of let you know.
0: But you don't only hold other people accountable, oh, you yeah. also hold yourself accountable. Like, if something happens, you'll always say, like, I know, you know, you and I have had converse- numerous conversations where are like, did I do something? Like, should I not have said that? Or do you think I should say this? So you're definitely self-reflective as well. You're not just calling other people out and think walking around thinking like you're on the top oh, of the yeah, world. There's, you know? I mean, I'll come um, I mean,
2: between you and, um, you know, my assistant coaches and all that stuff. I mean, after like even a practice or game, like, should I have done this? Like, oh, should I have said that to him? You know what I mean? Or... You know, um, I tell everyone that I work with, like, you know, if I'm doing something wrong in your class as like, um, your cooperative teacher, like, just tell me, like, I don't want you get mad at me. I'd rather you just be straight up like, hey, I need you to do these things for me. Like, or, you know, I don't like when you do this. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm very, (laughs) very self-reflective.
0: Yeah, we're in the middle of a pandemic and our school year ended um, not the way that we would have ever expected or wanted it to end. Uh, and you definitely had a great relationship with the senior class, I think, not even just, you know, again, the players, but the senior class as a whole. Um. So what would you want to say to either those seniors or even current students about this current American society and climate? Uh, You know, if we were in the classroom and you're able to talk about it with them, what was it? that you would want to say?
2: Um, I mean, first and foremost, definitely educate yourself. Um, don't go off of what's all over social media or what you see someone tweeting or anything like that. Like, you know, go out and get books, go out and get articles, like really read about what you want to fight for. So, you know, if you really want to get involved, you know, in, in this movement, then I think the biggest thing is educating yourself because you're going to run into people, um that are going to be against it and you're going to have to produce ideas and facts and all that stuff to back yourself up to, you know, to pretty much beat them in that conversation to show that, you know, they're in the wrong.
1: Thanks for joining us on uh, episode seven. Thanks for
2: having me. This was awesome.
1: I think a lot of resources were listed in this one, like tons, Mm -hmm. like a lot of the documentaries, uh, books that were listed, a lot of resources. Yeah.
0: But, it, you know, I think in other, like, conversations, I'm not necessarily just the podcast, but people list resources, and, like, it, sometimes it feels like they're just listing them to list them, but knowing that you listed them, but are actually reading and watching them. Like, I remember when you watched 13th, and you text me, and you're like, I'm watching 13th. I'll let you know what I think. And I was like, we hadn't even really talked about it, but it was, you know, you wanted people to know and not in like a show-offy way but you know you want to have the conversation like I'm watching this have you watched it what do you what did you think or oh my gosh I read Stamped and I know we're like trying to hold off on talking about it for some future projects that we have but you know it's been really cool just to continue to talk to you and see everything that you're doing and having those discussions with you and with everybody around us um it's really cool to work in a place where people are open to educating themselves and hopefully that rubs off on students as well
2: let's hope